It's been a great time of our church just to watch our blessed covenant children head off to a special time to hear about Jesus and, and to learn and grow from him. Hey, if you have your Bibles, you'll turn with me to Galatians chapter 4, which was just read by Rachel and Brian Smith. And also, you may want to put a little tab in John 1. That's where we'll be mostly this morning. Uh, Bob and Joanne Tansy, where are you? Where's Bob and Joanne? Here in the back, uh, the Tansies. Now, these are real-life heroes to us because they're some of our missionaries that we have the privilege of loving, supporting, and sending. But they're the ones who radically go in the name of Jesus. And we would love for you to find out more about them and their ministry in Spain. So after the worship service, they got set up a table right there. You don't have to sit there the whole time during worship. If you want to come worship with us, that's fine. But we just say good morning and welcome to the Tansies. It's great to have you all. Thank you for all you do. Thank you, thank you. It really is is great to see and have a chance to see what God is doing, not only here at Orangewood, uh, but to be a part of what he's doing around the world. And what a a great uh, time of year like Christmas to be reminded of uh, this wonderful message that God has come. Do you know that? Do you know God's come? He's come uh, to to rescue us. Do you know his uh, son has come so that we could be a part of his family? Uh, Do you know that he sends the Holy Spirit to us so that we can really be family? We can be a part of his family and just have the joy of knowing the true reason for the season. So here's my hope and prayer. Let me just get this out of the way quick. I hope and pray that God's spirit would so come as uh, not just in our, our worship singing, but also through the preaching of his word right now, come with such power that we'd be able to see the beauty of who he is, that we'd be able to see just more of his fullness, that we'd be able to experience, maybe even sense and taste more of, of the gift of what it means to be a part of him and in relationship with him and Getting excited that we could be called his children. I sure hope that that uh, brings you amazing, great excitement this morning. So as we begin, let's just join our hearts in prayer. Let us pray together. Wow, Father God, they say that this is the most wonderful time of the year. But God, we know that the truth is, is right now is such a wonderful time of our week, of our day, as we get to worship you for who you are and for all that you've done for us. So Father, we we ask that you would do only that which you can do, that you would send the spirit of your son, the spirit of Jesus into this room in, in such a real and powerful way that you would give us eyes to see more fully and more clearly who you are. That you would give us minds who could wrestle and and grasp more fully of what you have done for us through Jesus. That, That you would give us hearts that would have room for you. That would be filled with you. That your spirit would come and allow us to embrace this Christmas story is our story. That you would come with with such power and such conviction that we would walk out of here new. We walk out of here yours. That we'd walk out of here being able to say to the God who is, Abba, Father. So God, I pray that you'd be pleased to speak through a broken, fearful sinner like me. 
That God, the things that I say that are true and contain the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you'd use those things to make us more like Jesus. But the things I say that are wrong or just my opinion, may those things be forgotten and fall away. Show us Jesus, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. As a pastor and as a church family, uh, this last week we received uh, some of the best good news that we've received in a, in a really long time. I mean, this was some great good news. And the good news has to be uh, focused around uh, an adoption of a child. How many of you know the Chiaros? If you know the Chiaros, they've been around here for a long time. Michael and Susie Chiaro, and I, I got permission to share the joy of their story and the joy of their good news. But some of us have been praying for the Chiaros a really long time in regards to a child. And when it comes to the Chiaros, you look at them and say, God, of all people that should have a child, uh, it seems like that family, I mean, they're so wonderful. They're so loving. Would you please provide them a child of their own. Matter of fact, it was just this week that I was uh, uh, praying for them. I got to be honest with you, I I was kind of angry with God. I was praying away, like again, that old prayer. You know those prayers you pray over and over again? Anybody else praying some of those? Anybody else praying some of those? You just think, come on, Lord, are you you there? Are you listening? All right. Well, I I was praying for them earlier in the week, and and I got to tell you, I had a little bit of an attitude. (laughs) I was kind of more not saying to God, hey, can you please bless? I was probably more dictating to God, how long, O Lord? The next day, I got news that the Chiaros have been given in our line for a new baby, that their adoption's coming through. And it's awesome. And I just want to say, yeah, praise God. Man, how, how exciting. Well, it feels like it's been a long time, and it feels like we've been waiting for a long time for this to happen. And in God's Word in Scripture, uh, it's been a long time, it feels like a long time, that all of God's promises hung out there for God to come and be with us, and for God to, to rescue us, and for God to adopt us into His own family. And so we've been looking at what is the true significance of this Christmas season? What is the true significance of what it means for you and me? The fullness of this deal. That we, we, because of this Christmas story, we get to be adopted into his family. And last week we said in the fullness of time, and and really when time was groaning out, when time was kind of like my attitude with the Chiaro saying, How long, Lord? How long? Time had fully come. And God would send forth his son so that we can be rescued into his family. Well, this is what Christmas is all about. I mean, Christmas is a celebration that in that fullness of time, that God would send forth his son to redeem us, to rescue us, to clean us up, to robe us. But listen, listen, to adopt us, to make us a part of his family. Amazing, the beauty of Christmas. We see Jesus is both the messenger of Christmas and the message of Christmas. I mean, it's Jesus who's God's ultimate messenger. I mean, it's so good about this great God of ours. He speaks, he communicates, he talks to us. And he says in in the past, uh, he spoke through the prophets. But the writer of Hebrews says, in in Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, it says, but in this end time that Jesus came and he was fully God. And now we have the ultimate messenger. It's God himself. 
Listen, do you know that this Christmas message is so important? This message for adoption is so important that God didn't even trust his best angels for it. The ultimate messenger came. The ultimate messenger is God himself. Listen, he's the ultimate message. He came not only as the ultimate message, uh, messenger, but the ultimate message of God. Colossians 1, 19 and, and 2, 9 and 10, that says, In this Jesus, uh, the fullness of God uh, dwelt in bodily form. That as we sang in heart to herald angels sing, that it's true that, that God, all of God, he, he veiled himself in flesh. And God became one of us. He's the ultimate messenger, but he's the ultimate message. God is with us. God is for us. God has come for us. He's come to rescue us. God's come to adopt us. He's come to bring us into his family. The fullness of God, it says, amazingly, dwelt in Jesus. He's fully God. He's the fullness of the story of God. He's the fullness of our salvation. He's the fullness of our redemption. In Him and Him alone, we should find our hope. In Him and Him alone, we should find our life, our identity, and our joy. Do you know Him? But is Jesus the fullness of the story? Really? Yesterday, my community group and my family and I went down to Restore Orlando. Have you been there? Restore Hope Orlando. It's a great ministry down in Holden Heights, uh, one of the most transient, most difficult uh, areas of Orlando. Uh, They had their annual Christmas celebration. It's great to be a part of it. It's great. I had the privilege with my son, uh, Caleb, making snow cones. I mean, really, he made them. I just kind of managed the whole thing. All right, he did more, and I just kind of walked around and made some friends. But we both all smell like snow cones. And I want you to know, I didn't eat the prophets. We gave them away, all right? Just had one. All you guys are asking about that. But yesterday, uh, when we went to Restore Orlando and had the privilege of celebrating the reality that God loves us so much in, in Jesus, there was a little bit of a Christmas program. The program was brought to us by Summit Church, uh, another partner down there uh, working for the glory of God. Isn't it great? We're all family in Christ Jesus. And, and there at Restore Orlando, in their very, uh, uh, a very modest little chapel area, it's certainly modest, there was a banner on the wall. And it's a banner that some of you are familiar with. Matter of fact, it's a banner that, that maybe some of you have flown or maybe had a button that said, Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason for the season. Do you know that to be true? And I want to say something right now that might cause some of you to get a little bit more in the front of your chair and may want some of you to come rush the podium and the pulpit and say, what are you talking about, Jeff? Because what I'm about ready to say might have a little bit of an aroma of heresy to it. But stick with me. We're going to see if God's word proves it to be true. Jesus is the reason for the season. It's true. But it's not fully true. It's not fully true. How can you say that? Galatians 4. Look with me. God the Father is the reason for the season. 
as well. God the Father, he's the reason for the season. He's the reason that, that Jesus came to earth. It says God the Father sent forth his son. This whole plan that God was going to rescue us, this whole adoption idea, this whole, this whole plan that God was going to take sinners like us, deserving his wrath and displeasure, and was going to bring us so close to make us one with Christ Jesus, this whole plan of, of a cross, this whole plan of an empty tomb, this whole plan of a family, and this whole plan that we could cry out, Abba, Father, it's all the Father's plan. It all initiated with him. So really, for us to understand the reason for the season, we have to understand that the Father is the reason for the season. But there's more than that. You see that God sent forth his Son to redeem us, to purchase us a part of the family. But if you look at Galatians 4, it tells us more. It says that God sent forth the Holy Spirit. He sent forth the the Spirit of his Son so that we can able to embrace Jesus as our Redeemer. To take the story from being out there, listen, God sent forth his son so that the story wouldn't be out there, so that the story would intersect our very hearts. God sent forth the Spirit of his son so we could be a part of the story. We could be a part of the family. We could be a part of redemption. So for us to understand the full significance of Christmas, we must understand the full significance of our triune God, the fullness of God. We're going to talk about, for the next couple of minutes, the fullness of God. And i got to tell you, God, I hope and pray, is going to get bigger than we ever imagined. God is going to get more powerful than we ever thought. But you know when you talk sometimes about the bigness of God, and the power of God, you know what often accompanies that? Coldness. Man, he's big. He's powerful and coldness. All sometimes it's theological stuff. We talk about a triune God. It becomes kind of theologically stiff. But listen, the fullness of God allows us to understand and enjoy the fullness of the intimacy that God wants with us. Now, let me, let me say it a little bit more clearly. We must understand the fullness of God to fully get the Christmas story. But there's much more than that. We must understand the fullness of God because it took all of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for us to have that intimate relationship with God. So we talk about the fullness of God. It could feel cold and theologically clammy, but God never wanted it to. He wanted us to understand his fullness. Why? Listen, for the most tender, intimate relationship that we will ever, ever experience. He wants us to understand his fullness so that by his grace and design, we sinners like us are able to say, Daddy, Abba, Father, and a part of his family. You see, to bridge the chasm between a holy God, a holy God and sinners like us, to unify us and unite us with this holy God, it took all of God. It took all of them. Not just part of them, it took the entire Godhead. For you and I ever to live one moment in eternity with such an amazing, abundant life in Christ, it allows us to say ridiculous things like Abba Father to the creator of the universe. It took all of God to accomplish it. There's three things. It took a father who would send his only begotten son. It would take a son who would secure our full rights as adopted into his family. And it would take the Spirit of God to seal the deal. 
Okay, let's take this a little bit further. There is, according to uh, what we know, according to Scripture, there is one true and living God. How do we know about this God? I mean, it's God and God alone who reveals who He is. The only way we know about God, we're not smart enough. Our gray matter can't come up with this. God and God alone is the one who must reveal who He is to us. And it's interesting because all that God does and all that God created reveals who He is. Genesis, or I'm sorry, Psalm 19 says that, uh, uh, that the earth, uh, all of creation, it pours forth speech. And it's always communicating that God created me. God created me. Look at the oceans. Look at the mountains. Look at all of creation. It all tells the story of a God who creates. He reveals himself to us through creation, mostly through his image. As a matter of fact, Paul wrote Romans through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says that we have no excuse without knowing God just by creation itself. That just by seeing creation and all that God's done, we should say there is a true and living God. You know, creation wasn't sufficient enough to us to ever know more about this God. Know him in in a saving way. To know him in a relationship giving way. To know him as Abba Father. So God gave us his holy word. He gave us scripture to reveal who he is, uh, to reveal his character, his quality. Uh, and, and not only that, to, but to what he requires of us. And then Jesus comes and Jesus comes in this fullness of time and he, and he perfectly represents God. Why? Because he's God in the flesh. He's God with us. And as we wrestle through Scripture and who is this fullness of God, who is God, Scripture reveals to us that there is one true and living God, but he consists, this one true and living God, of three separate persons. Sounds like a mystery, doesn't it? That in this one true and living God, there is a Father, there is a Son, and there is a Holy Spirit. Do you see them listed all right there in Galatians? Galatians 4. And this, this one God, he's unified in substance. He's, he's, he's not mangled. He's not like uh, some weird uh, distinction of three. He's unified in his substance. That each one, the God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy, Sp- uh, Holy Spirit, they're equal in power. Sometimes we think of God, the Father, being the powerful one and, and maybe God, the Son, being the weaker one. No, no, not at all. Do you know this one God that Scripture reveals to us in three persons that he is one substance, he's equal in power. Not only that, he's, he's equal in glory. I mean, that, that we as Christians, those of us who, uh, who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that we're to bring glory in all of our life to the triune God, to Father, to Son, and to Holy Spirit. Why does Scripture say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty? Because in this one and true living God, there are three persons, and they are equal in power and glory. And yet they're separate and distinct in personhood. Sometimes people wrestle with this. They're seeing, okay, there's a plurality of God and there's, there's a fullness to God that's more than just Father. And they, and they get into something called modalism where they think that when well, this is wrong, it's a heresy that maybe the Father became the Son and maybe the Son became the Holy Spirit. It's not true. According to Scripture revealed to us and empowered through the Holy Spirit, we see there's one true and living God. There's one. But He exists, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Well, for us to understand the fullness of our adoption, the fullness of Christianity, the fullness of Christmas, we must understand the fullness of God. But each one, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have distinct roles in redemption. 
a kind of a churchy word. Each one, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each have a specific, unique role in rescuing you and making you new. Each one has a specific role in making the whole world new. Let's, Let's make it personal. It took the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together to make you and me family, His family to call us, to be able to call out Abba Father. It begins with the Father, initiates. Everything initiates with the Father and initiated with Him by sending His own Son. So we can say the Father's a reason for the season. It's executed by the Son. The Son comes and he, he secures our full rights as sons. Look at Galatians 4, 5. It says that Jesus secured our rights or our adoption. It's basically saying this. It's, it's unbelievable that in Jesus... All the rights are ours as sons and daughters. It begins with the Father. It's executed and secured by the Son, but it's applied by the Holy Spirit. He seals the deal. Without the Holy Spirit, we don't understand the reason for the season. We don't understand what Jesus has done. It took all of God for us to get it. The fullness of God is needed for us to understand the full significance of Christmas. Let's take a couple moments and just look at each one. God the Father sends His Son to redeem us. God sent forth His Son to redeem us. It's God the Father who initiates our adoption. Sometimes people think that the Father is just an angry Father, that He's a mean Father. I'll never forget um, dealing with a a, a mom who had lost, tragically, a a daughter to suicide. It was one of the hardest things I had to do as a pastor. And, And just her whole life, she just felt like the Father is really angry. And the Father's really mean. And God the Father, he's just got this big stick and he can't wait to belt you with it. Jesus is loving and, and, and kind, she, she thought. I said, no, no, the Father is so loving and merciful. What about John 16? I mean, isn't it for God the Father so loved the world that God loved the world that what he do? He initiated, he sent his son Let's look at that uh, uh, to rescue us that we could be sons. Let's look at Romans 5, 8. It's even more clear. It says it, that while we were still sinners, while, while we were in rebellion with God, while our lives were repugnant to God, while we had nothing to do with God, while we were still sinners, God the Father sent forth his Son. Oh, how he is loving. Oh, how he is intimate. Oh, how he wants a relationship with you. The whole thing starts with God the Father. He is the initiator of this whole thing. So we realize it's the Father who authorizes this plan of our adoption. He, he's, given, he's given his okay to this whole thing. Let's look at Jesus' life. What did Jesus do when he came here? Jesus basically said, hey, I, I don't do anything except for what the Father shows me. Jesus says, I've just come to do the Father's will. I'm here, I've been commissioned and I've been authorized by the Father. Oftentimes, some of the religious people say, by what authority are you teaching? He says, all my authority, all my mission, all my identity, it's all found in my Father. I'm just here to bridge you to Him. I'm here to bring Him glory. I'm here to bring you home. Daddy wants a relationship with you. He wants you to call him Abba, Father. It's the Father who authorizes the plan. It's the Father who sends the Son to come and secure our adoption. And it's the Father who sends the Holy Spirit. 
You see, it says God sent forth not only his son in Galatians 4, it says he sent forth his spirit. Why? To seal the deal of our adoption into God's family. I want you to see this. It begins and it culminates, goes full circle with God the Father and our ability to cry out, Abba, Father. Let me take another stab at that. You think of God in big theological terms? We're talking about this big triune God. I want you to know it starts this. It starts with God the Father. And it comes around to God the Father. The whole point of this Christmas season, the whole point of what God has done in the fullness of time, the whole point of our adoption is for intimacy. It's not so we can sit and say, wow, God's big and huge. It's so we can say, God is amazingly loving. He's mine. I'm a part of his. God sent forth his son. He sent forth the spirit of his son. So sinners like us are able to say, Abba, Father, and be a part of his family. It's God who uh, initiates, but also God sends forth his son to redeem us. God the son secures our full rights as sons. God has sent forth his son, implies the son existed before Bethlehem. If God can send forth his son, obviously he existed before then. And as we had the Smiths read before out of John 1, it tells us about this Jesus. It's amazing. He says that he's very God. In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus. And the Word was with God. In the beginning, the Word was God. This is telling us that Jesus is eternal. Uh, Jesus is fully God. This is the one who in flesh is uh, uh, put on uh, in flesh fully God. And it says this in John 1.14, that this Word, this eternal Word of God, that he became flesh. He pitched a tent in his flesh to dwell among us. That Jesus is the eternal God made flesh. It is Jesus, this is the one, uh, uh, God the Son, who secures our adoption and the fullness of God dwelt in him. But why? Why did Jesus do this? We see Jesus had to be fully God to secure our rights as God's sons. To secure our rights fully. Look at Galatians 4. It says these two things. He says he's born of a woman. We're going to talk about that next week. Born under the law in two weeks. But I can't help but peek onto this right now. Because Jesus being fully man is able to fulfill the demands of the law on our behalf. Jesus being fully God was able to absorb the wrath of God and the curse of God on our behalf. What does this mean? Well, because of who Jesus is, is fully God, fully man, the eternal word made flesh. Jesus is fully able to secure our legal rights as sons. The Kiaros are going through a mess of paperwork. And they've already gone through a mess of paperwork. And anybody who has ever adopted a child, you know there's a lot of hoops to jump through for that child to legally be called and declared yours. The reality of God's own Son coming to rescue us and to redeem us, to give us full rights, is this beautiful reality. All of the legal requirements that a holy and just God requires for sinners and broken people like us to be adopted into His family. Everything that a holy God would require for us to be truly His sons, Jesus legally has secured for us. Isn't that good news? Legally, we now can stand before God even now as God's children. A reality that He paid the price for our sins. 
He fulfilled the requirements of the law. And right now, in God the Father's holy, blazing self, we are fully His sons and daughters. He has secured the rights for us. What amazing good news that is. It's from Jesus' fullness that all of God's blessings flow to us. There's one passage in Scripture that we read that I want to go back to. It's in John 1. And of all the things we read this week, this is the one thing that I just, I can't stop getting out of my mind. This is the one thing I've gone back to over and over and over again. And it's this, John 1, 16. And from his fullness and from Jesus's fullness, and I I want you to picture the fullness of this triune God, but picture the fullness of God, the son, fully God, fully man. And from Jesus's fullness, we have all received and how the ESV translates this beautifully grace upon grace. And it's just this picture that Jesus, who fully secures our rights as sons, Jesus, fully God and fully man, he's the conduit to the Father. And through him is being poured out grace, grace, the grace of God's initiating love is ours. We can tap into it. We can drink from it. We could live from it because of Jesus. Through him comes grace upon grace, grace of securing our adoption From Jesus, grace upon grace, the Holy Spirit coming and sealing God's love. How did Jesus, the one who was fully God, bless us with grace upon grace? How did he do it? He emptied himself. The one who's fully God. Ephesians, Philippians 2 would tell us that didn't consider equality with God something to be held on to. But here's what he did. He took the form of a servant. He became one of us in man. He came obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus, fully God, just empties himself. Empties himself. He who was rich became poor so that you who were poor could become rich. Emptied himself. He who was full became broken so that you could be healed. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was broken for our iniquities. He who is full became empty so that through his fullness we could partake and we could become like him. He will cover us and fill us with grace upon grace. God the Son who secures and God the Spirit who seals the deal. God the Spirit who seals the deal. Went for a walk in our neighborhood to see how much better my lights are than everybody else's. And um, I was going down at one of our streets in our neighborhood and it was interesting because there were two houses next to each other that probably had about an equal amount of, of, of wattage going, you know, equal amount of, of lights. Uh, they were definitely following the Griswold method of exterior illumination. There were a lot of lights. But to me, it was a, such a contrast of, of one house and the other house. I mean, one house, the first house you got to, it, would, it was everything there. It talked about the story of Jesus and, and, it, and it pointed with a star. And, and they built this huge manger scene. It wasn't gaudy plastic thing. Sorry if you have one of those. It was, it was kind of a, a big wooden manger scene. It was right there. As a matter of fact, I mean, I couldn't walk by it and not say glory to God in the highest 
God's son is with us. And, and next door, they, they did a really nice job. I mean, all the lights were tight and they were really nicely done. But, but everything in the story, I had Frosty the Snowman. It had Santa Claus. It, it had all the stuff of Christmas without Jesus. I don't know those neighbors, but I can't imagine that anyone would build a manger scene that large that didn't have, by God's grace, the true understanding of what Jesus is all about and what Christmas is all about. But I want you to know, we shouldn't be very prideful that, oh, they know the story. They got Rudolph. They got Jesus. They got Frosty. Listen, here's what this says. The only way you get the story is by God's grace and the Holy Spirit lets you see. The only way you get the story is if the fullness of God has come and, and God has come with such power through the Holy Spirit that you're able to see the truth of who Jesus is. You know when the Chiaro's adoption is really going to hit home. You know that, right? You know the Chiaro's adoption is really going to hit home. It's just going to be unbelievable. I can't wait to hear the first time. It's going to be when that child cries out, Mommy, Daddy. You see, Jesus secured our legal rights as sons. But this Holy Spirit comes to secure our relational rights as sons. This Holy Spirit comes and gives us the ability. He removes our stony heart of disbelief. This Holy Spirit comes and, and gives us an understanding of who Jesus really is. He, gives, he even empowers us by God's grace to embrace Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He gives us the ability to see. It's all by His grace. And, and listen, there's more. This Holy Spirit cries out inside of us and we are able to hear the words that every parent longs to hear. The Father's able to hear that from us. Abba, Father. And that adoption is secure. The reality of Jesus has come is secure in our hearts because He's the sign, He's the seal of that reality. The Chiaros can't wait, I'm sure, to hear, Mommy, Daddy, that legal stuff's already taken care of. Now there's that relational reality. That's what that Holy Spirit has come so, so we can cry out, Abba, Father. You know what? Restore Orlando yesterday. They told the Christmas story in a pretty bad play. I mean, it was a, it was a B-rated play, the best. And it wasn't the one, they didn't put it on. Some other church put it on. They will go nameless. But you know, I wept during the play. I got a little mushy. Didn't want anybody to see but the reality that God would come for me, the reality that God would love me that much, I couldn't help but kind of... You know what that is? It's the Holy Spirit. It's a sign that by God's grace upon grace upon grace, that the story's just not out there. The story's in here. God's grace upon grace upon grace that... I'm the child of the king. I could cry out, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit has signed and sealed the deal. The sacraments that we partake of in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, it is a sign and a seal of God's love and fullness for us. The only way we understand the true significance of this meal, the only way we understand the true significance of Christmas, the only way we understand the true significance of God in life 
if we understand the full significance of what he has done for us. It's pictured here. God so loved the world, he would send his son. It's pictured here. His son so loved us that he would be broken for us. It's pictured here so that broken ones like us could be healed. He'd send the spirit of his son to fill us. Do you get the story? I try to figure out, why am I so excited about the Chiaro's adoption? And why sometimes are we not too excited about God's adoption? I mean, really. I, mean, I wrestle with that. I, I wrestle with that, this message, thinking, man, this is a theological message. We're going to talk about a triune God. This is kind of, people can get lost in this. Why aren't we more excited about this story? I, how can we hear about this God who wants this kind of intimacy with us? And here's what I believe. I don't think we find our true significance in him. I mean, the reality is, as we talk about the significance of this big God rescuing us, but I think that we miss the depth and the beauty and the love because our significance isn't found in the fact and the reality that we are God's children the significance that we have been purchased by Jesus, the significance that we have been filled with the Holy Spirit, that no matter what else happens in life, no matter what else God brings to us, we're his. God is for us. Who can be against us? I just feel like sometimes we find our significance in other stuff, our jobs, our families, our own righteousness, and we miss the significance that God has come, fully come, that you and I, we can be adopted into his family, his family, his sons and daughters, crying, Abba, Father. And when you taste that significance, and when you taste that fullness, you will act like your big brother, Jesus, and you'll empty yourself out. For those around you, empty yourself out to love those around you because you know whose you are and what he's done for you. Let this meal remind us of the fullness of God. Let us pray. Father, we ask that you would come with power and remind us of the fullness of the story through this meal. God, we ask that you would come with power and remind us that everything that we have, all our identity should be found in you. And God, may that cause us to to give back to you, not because we're trying to earn fullness, but because we got it in our tithes and offerings. God, would you prepare our hearts? Would you prepare our hearts to once again meet you at the table? And to be reminded of the cost of our adoption. Remind us that all that legally was required, Jesus has secured. Remind us of the Father's love that would just even send him. Remind us of what the Holy Spirit relationally is able to do. Remind us of the gift of the phrase and the reality, Abba, Father. For your glory we pray. Amen.